Church, I invite everyone to stand on our feet in honor of the Word of God. Um, our sermon this week is taken from Mark chapter 4, verse 21 until 34. And let us read it together in the count of three. One, two, three. And he said to them, Is a lamb brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shape. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciple, he explained everything. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kari. So before we go on, let's pray again. Dear God, thank you for today that we got the opportunity to listen to your word. Just want to pray, Holy Spirit, help me to preach the gospel boldly and faithfully. And also, Holy Spirit, help everyone that listen to this word, that whenever, uh, wherever they are online or they are here right now, help them to have the listening ears and also open their heart so they can grasp the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Okay. Uh, have you ever felt tired of being Christian? I don't want to ask you to raise your hand. I mean that um, you feel dry inside and sometimes that we feel tired and exhausted. And then when we read the Bible, we don't get anything. And then we don't want to go to church. We don't want to go to the ministry. And we just don't want to do anything that related to church. Anything close to Pastor Yosia, we don't want to do it. Something like that. <laughs> so we just like, have you ever feel that kind of like feel tired? And I mean that, and you just ask yourself that whether God is still working within me. And when we feel tired, sometimes we feel tired because maybe we don't see growth in our ministry. We lead the cell group for a long time, for years and years. And when we don't see any kind of fruit, the number is still the same. Or we, maybe we're frustrated, for example, that we keep sharing the gospel to this one person. That's our best friend. We really want them to know Christ. But being years, like sharing the gospel, nothing happened. There's no signs of salvation at all. And we just keep asking and we ask ourselves, why we even continue then? Why we even continue to do ministry? Why we even continue to read the Bible? Why we even continue to share the gospel to this person? I don't see 
any fruit come out of it. And, and this is what we're going to learn from these three parables. Yes, three different parables, but really related to one another. Last week, we learned from our pastor, but another parable from Jesus, which is the parable of the sower. The sower went and then basically out to sow all the seed. It fell into a few different conditions. And we learn how every condition is represent our response to the gospel. And in that parable, Jesus really emphasizes that the importance of our response to the gospel. But Jesus didn't stop in there. Jesus didn't stop in there. Jesus continued to the next three parables that we're going to learn today. Jesus is going to show his disciples and also the crowd as well the importance of the gospel. And when we talk about the gospel, there's one thing that we need to remember. The gospel is not something that we take and then we share once and then we put aside. The gospel is, yes, the only message that has the power to save people, that save us, but also we will continue to be refined through the gospel. And that's what we're going to learn today. I think understanding these three parables will be help us to answer this question. Why we even continue to be still being a Christian? Why we even continue to keep sharing the gospel to the people? Why we even continue to read the Bible? And I think that understanding these three parables is going to help us to answer this question. So I'm going to uh, divide my sermon into three. The light, the growth, and the power. All right. The first one, the light, is from the first parable, obviously. Let me read again. And he said to them, is the lamb brought in to be put under the basket or under the bed and not understand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who hasn't, even what he has will be taken away. So when I was preparing the sermon, uh, this was, I think there's a part that what we call personal reflection where you and just you and your Bible, right? So what I normally do, I always put myself as the audience, as Jesus' audience, all right? In this parable, basically Jesus uh, speaks to the crowd, so I just imagine myself as part of the audience, right? And I'm listening to Jesus, and this is the first question that Jesus asked. All right, guys, does anyone bring a lamb and put under the basket or under the bed? No one, right? I just imagine when, sometimes my imagination is a bit too far. And when I imagine that, sometimes I imagine myself, I'm going to raise my hand. I did that. I did that at my home. So what I did, that I put, basically, that uh, Alice and I put the lamb in our, uh, inside our bed is on the floor next to, next to the table. The reason why, because if, at night, if we turn it on, the lamp, it's just too bright. And when we turn it off, it's just too dark. So we just put it on the floor. And I think that, yeah, my imagination is keep continuing. I think Jesus is going to roll his eyes and say that, hey, you young guy, first, this question is the rhetorical question. You don't need to answer this one. The second thing is, out of curiosity, why do you put the lamp on the floor? I think everyone, all of you, if you come to our place and see the lamb sitting on the floor, you're going to ask, why? For sure, you're going to ask, why do you put on the floor? Why, why you guys for sure going to ask? Because it defeats the purpose of the lamb. 
It defeats the purpose. The lamp is to give light to the room. The lamp is to, to brighten the room and chase away the darkness. So if we put it under the bed, it will defeat the purpose. And that's exactly the purpose of us as disciples of Christ. That is exactly that the purpose of us that call ourselves disciples of Christ, that which is to reflect the light of Jesus Christ to the lost people, to reflect the light of Christ in this world. How do we do that? As simple as sharing the gospel. It looks simple, it seems simple, but sometimes it's very hard for us to do it. So the gospel that transforms us is not only for us. It's our responsibility to share to others. All right. One thing that we must remember from this parable, we are not the source of the light. We are not the source of the light. We have no light. We are like the moon that we just reflect the light of Jesus Christ to the lost. So when we share the good news, the end goal is not us. The end goal is Jesus Christ. So when you try to, 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 to share the gospel, but the end goal is basically that you try to make your name higher, you, you have the wrong purpose. And that's basically the definition of disciple of Christ. If you ask yourself, what is disciple of Christ? Basically, disciple of Christ is a person who the light of Jesus, not your light, but the light of Jesus shines through. So disciple of Christ is not ashamed by their faith. Disciple of Christ is not ashamed to mention his name at work, in your university, in your group of friends. Because some people hide the gospel under the bed because of their business. Some people hide the gospel under the bed because they are lazy. And some people hide the gospel under the bed because of fear. Fear of losing a friend, fear of you get rejected. So again, to be able that, yes, we, we know that we have to share the gospel, but it's very hard for us to share the gospel if we don't believe the gospel. Basically, we, we, we similar like some of the salesmen. Not all the salesmen, so don't get offended if you're a salesman. Because some of the salesmen, when they sell the P, uh, some product, they're going to convince you that this product is the best product in the world. This is the best product in the market. They're going to convince you whatever he can. But if you ask the question whether you have this product at home, maybe the question is not. And... That's the thing, though. I mean, before we can share the gospel, we need to believe the gospel. And Jesus reminded that in the first 23 and 24, he said that if anyone has ear to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. We need to pay attention to what we hear. I mean, so often that we are listening to what God's saying to us, but what we're doing, basically, we're just hearing what we want to hear. We selectively pick what we want to hear. And this is the question that we should ask ourselves. Are we paying attention right now? Yes, we come to church, but are we paying attention to what Jesus says? Are we listening to the gospel? And do we believe the gospel? So this is the thing. If I have to summarize this parable, Jesus basically teaches us about one principle that I think we have to really grasp this one. Jesus wants us to 
learn to listen to the word seriously. And not only stopping there. Jesus wants us to meditate the word of God. And not only stopping there. Jesus wants us to apply it in our life. But it didn't stop in there as well. Jesus wants us to share it with others. So if I have to summarize, it's like the principles of flows in and flows out. I don't know if you've been joining the, uh, maybe one day going to the Holy Land tour. You, you will go to this place called the Dead Sea. All right? So when you, it's, it doesn't matter you, whether you are heavy or not, you can float in the Dead Sea, basically, right? Uh, so why is it called Dead Sea? Why is it called Dead Sea? The reason why it's called Dead Sea is because this, the condition of Dead Sea is impossible for any living creature to live in there. No fish, no anything. Why? Because the salt content is just too high. The salt content is just too high. That's why you can't float. And, and why the salt content is too high? Because what happened in the Dead Sea, basically the seawater flows in inside the Dead Sea, but the seawater cannot flow out, out of the Dead Sea. So what happened is during the day that the water is evaporated, what left behind is the salt. And the salt is getting higher and higher every single day. Church, if we not be careful, if we just want to have a flow in, we just want to listen to the gospel, but we don't want to share the gospel to others. We will be end up like a spiritual dead sea. We love to listen to the gospel, which is good, but Jesus wants us to not stop in there. Jesus wants us to share that to others. And this is the warning that Jesus gave it to us in the first 25 and 26. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who hasn't, even what he has will be taken away. Pastor R.C. Sproul summarized nicely this parable. He said that it is a duty of the church in every generation of every pastor, of every Christian, to take up that lamp, cast the basket inside, and put the light in the prominent place where people can behold the truth of God and of his Son. So we know from this parable that we need to share the gospel. All right, we need to share the gospel. Whether we know this truth, I believe everyone, everyone knows this truth because we recite the Matthew 28, right? Every single, every single week. And the things right now that the question that we're going to ask after that, all right, I already shared this good news to my friend that I really want him to know Christ. But after years, it's nothing happened. It's nothing happened. So when, when's he going to know about Christ? And then we're getting frustrated. And it leads me to my second point, the growth. Verse 26 until 29. So it's basically from the second parable. And he said that the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleep and rise it night and day. And the seed sprout and grows, grows and knows not how. The, the, the earth produced by itself, first the blade, and then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he put in the sickle, because the harvest has come. All right. If you don't know me, I'm working in the coffee business. Um, so most of you that who work in the coffee business, normally that you become a coffee snob. What is the coffee snob? Basically, it's a, a people that thinking they know coffee compared to all of you. 
normally these people hate Starbucks. <laughs> they only drink a specialty coffee, right? So uh, since I joining the coffee business, I become coffee snob. So I buy a lot of coffee stuff like hand grinder, V60, like filter, something like that. And when I look back right now, well, I have to buy that one. All right, there's a lot of things right now just sitting on the shelf right now. But one of the most regrettable thing for me of being a coffee snob is planting the coffee tree. All right, for some of you that come to my place, no. For sure that I'm going to introduce you to my coffee tree, right? This is my past story. Uh, so the first reason why for me is uh, most regrettable first that before I decided to plant this coffee tree, basically that I googled it already that it takes four until five years for this coffee tree to get the fruit. For me to say yes, for me is yeah, that's something that for me is crazy. Uh, and then but again, being a coffee snob, I said that yes, let's plant a coffee tree. Coffee uh, coffee snob without the coffee tree is not really the real one, right? So we get the coffee tree, so take four or five years to get fruit. So, And then the first years went very well, very healthy, the leaves very nice, all right? Second years, the same thing, went very well. I still introduced to my friend, come see my coffee tree at home. Third year still went well. The fourth year, all right, the, the year that I should expect the fruit, right? Out of nowhere, it's lose the, losing the leaf. The loose is stop coming off one by one. I said, at this year, and then it start losing the, uh, the, the leaf. And what happened that during that year, at the end of the year, we're planning to have the long holiday, right? And a five, five weeks holiday, which is during December. And then normally we know December is very hot, right? And then just before we went holiday, this coffee tree is basically dead. The status is dying, basically. The status is dying. And I said, that, all right, that's fine. We just go for holiday. And then during the holiday, we keep checking the weather in the Sydney. And then the weather is very hot. And I said, that, all right, the first thing that I have to prepare myself when I arrive at home, I have to chuck this coffee tree, right? I have to chuck coffee, uh, this coffee tree. I believe that it's going to be die for sure. But what a surprising news. When we arrive at home, we found that instead of dying, this coffee tree producing three fruits, three fruits. And just for your information, this is the first three fruits and also the last three fruits <laughs> from the tree. But that's just the extra information. That, but we just, we just amazed how come when we're taking care of you, coffee tree, you're losing the leaf. But when we live for five weeks, you're producing the fruit. And that's basically the story in this parable. After spreading the seed, the farmers continue with the daily routine. He sleeps, he wakes, and the, the seed keeps growing, and the farmer doesn't know how. The farmer doesn't know how. And even that when I read the article, some experts saying that even the smartest farmer, they can only control some aspect of the farming things. There's a lot of aspects they cannot control. For example, weather. So one of the main points from this parable is the main character is not the man. The main character is not the man. The main character is the seed. The focus on this parable is not the man, but is the seed. The seed, that's the one that's important. 
the unknown part, because the, the farmer said, I don't know how. The unknown part in this parable, sure, there's a lot of things that are mysterious in the growth of the kingdom of God. There's a lot of things that we don't understand about the process of people's salvation. We don't know when they, get, when they will get saved, how they get saved. And the parable reminds us that those things are not our part to worry about. Those things are not our part to worry about. We often worry what happened with yesterday ministry. We worry what happened with yesterday service. We often worry about our ministry. We ask God why. We spread the seed already, but there is no fruit. And some MC leader maybe that might be wondering why the MC seems have no fruit. The number is still the same. You've done what needed to be done. You preach the gospel. You're reaching out. But let me tell you, for every, for every gospel you share, it will never go in vain. Because God is at work. He's at work behind the scenes. We never see the result now. But you have to know for sure that He is working. We never see the result at all, maybe. But other people may see the result, and that is fine, church. Because whoever sees the result, God himself gets all the glory. We cannot boast about the result of this growth. Because God is at work from beginning until the end. He is at work. And one wrong application of this parable is going to be that when you read it and then your application in here that you think that we don't need to do anything because God is at work. And that's completely wrong. From last week, the passages are very clear that we have the responsibility. From the first parable as well, that we, it's very clear that we have the responsibility to listen carefully and also to share the gospel. So we have the responsibility to not hide the gospel. So for parents, it's our responsibility to introduce gospel to our kids. It's our responsibility to show them the importance of spiritual discipline, reading the Bible, prayer. You know what? Sometimes it's a bit tiring because we may not see the result instantly. But no, the growth is there. No, the growth is there. Even it's steady and slow. But you know that God is at work. Sometimes that when we're we sharing the gospel, and it seems that, God, why I haven't seen the result? And that's at that point that you have to remember the power is not in you. The power is in the gospel. And it leads me to my last point, the power from the third parable. From the third parable that Jesus said that, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like the grain of master seeds, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it's sown in this, it grows out and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. All right. So before I'm going to continue deeper into this parable, I just want to deal with one of the topics first because I'm afraid, I'm, I'm just afraid that maybe one day one of you are going to be in the Who Wants to Be Millionaire show and then the last question before you get one million is whether the master seed is the smallest seed in the world. <laughs> Let me tell you, if your answer is yes, 
you will not get one million. Even you try to argue, you know what, my Lord Jesus said that this is the smallest seed. You still not get that one million. Why? Because master seed is not the smallest. And then why? Because it seems like no important topic, but a lot of people use these things to attack the Bible, saying that Bible is inaccurate, Bible is not true. But let me tell you that we have to see the big picture. What is the context at that time? What is the purpose Jesus used the master seed? So the reason why Jesus used the master seed, because yes, master seed is one of the smallest. Yes, not the smallest, but one of the smallest. But the master seed at that time context is the seed that's very familiar with the crowd. There's a lot of other seeds that are smaller, but they are not familiar with that. Another thing as well, that the purpose why Jesus wants to use the master seed, because Jesus wants to see the contrast. The master seed is very small, when, but when it grows, it becomes very large plant. There's a lot of things that's smaller than master seed. For example, orchard seed is smaller than, our, and than the master seed, but when it grows, it's like this. All right? <laughs> Jesus cannot use the orchard seed and then saying that this is the power of the gospel. Start from here and become like this. No. So, and we have to see the big picture. What is the context? A lot of people just focus on, oh, it's not true. The Bible is inaccurate. But we have to see what is the context and why is the purpose Jesus the master seed. All right, let's talk about the parable. So we talk about how the kingdom of God. So this parable talking about the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God can be the influence in the world. When we talk about the influence of kingdom of God, we cannot separate with the influence of the church. And then that's why I think the planting the church is very important. But in the same time as well, we cannot just focus on the number, keep planting the church. But we have to ask more about that. What kind of church that can be influenced in this world? What kind of church that can be influenced to the society? What kind of influence that the church needs? And it's become very tricky. It's become very tricky. What kind of influence does, does the church need? And the parable, this parable is very clear. There's only one thing that the church needs because this, this thing is the only thing that has the power, and this is the gospel. The church needs the power of gospel to be influenced in the world. Not rely on the entertainment. Not rely on any humans-made programs. This parable reminds us what the church needs, what we need, is the power of the gospel. The master seed that was used by Jesus to give an idea, something that seems small, but has a great potential to grow. And this is the warning for all of us as Christians. Don't underestimate the gospel. Maybe we say, no, we never underestimate the gospel. But sometimes then when you see the gospel compared to other things, entertainment, this gospel maybe looks very small. This gospel maybe look very unconvincing. But Jesus said that, hey, there, even that is small, there's a great potential in this small master seed. This is the warning for us about the significance of preaching the gospel. Even though it initially seems unconvincing, even that it's very less impressive compared to other options, but we have to believe there's a great power in the gospel that you share to other people. And let me challenge you with this question. 
We know that the gospel is powerful, but do you believe that the gospel is powerful? I mean, that, do you believe that the gospel can save your best friend? Do you believe that the gospel can save someone that maybe most of the people saying that, no, it's going to be too hard for him to understand the gospel? It's going to be too hard for him to, to become a Christian. Do you believe that the gospel can save them? Yeah. Or even do you believe the gospel can save the extremists from other religion? I mean, imagine this. It's one day that maybe one of your relatives or one of your family know that you're Christians, always going to church, and suddenly give you a call, hey, can you come to this hospital because this guy is dying and then he's really afraid of dying. Can you just talk to him? The question, what are you going to say to him when you really sit next to the bed? Are you just give like the encouraging word? Give kind of like the motivational speaker? Or maybe, oh, I'm Christian. And then you give a false assurance to them. Don't worry, the heaven is waiting for you. But he doesn't know about Christ. What this guy needs is the gospel truth. We often say it's very easy for us to say that God, the gospel is powerful in theory, but we fall short in our practice. Our worldly mindset frequently really underestimate what the gospel can do. We easily say that the, that person is just too sinful. It's too sinful to hear the gospel, too sinful really to go to church, to become the follower of Christ. And we have that kind of attitude, nah, it's just too, too hard for him to understand the gospel. We don't believe really the power of the gospel. And it's not new things. Even the disciple of Christ do, did the same thing. So when they knew that Paul became Christians, basically in the Acts chapter 9, verse 26. So when, uh, when Paul had come to Jerusalem, basically Paul attempted to join the disciple. And the disciples were all afraid of him, for they didn't believe that he was the disciple. The person that killed a lot of Christians now become the radical follower of Jesus. And the disciples don't believe how the gospel can, can basically completely transform the people. And that's so often what happened to us. We don't believe in the power of the gospel. We have this thought that that person will never understand the gospel. Honestly, I, I, sometimes I have that tendency as well. And I think when we have that tendency that the gospel is not for him, the gospel is not for her, one thing that we should do is basically we have to remind ourselves how we get saved. Yeah. How we get saved. And there are many times that we just too prideful. That we think, nah, it's impossible. But we have to remind ourselves how we get saved. We have to remind ourselves that the moment the power of the gospel open our eyes and take off the scale from our eyes. I don't know, ever you ever you try to play the VR, the virtual reality, where you put the headset. I haven't played, but I watched a lot of video where uh, yeah, they, it's, it's, it looks very like funny and look very crazy. Some people just jump into the wall, something like that. But when we see it, we see them, they look crazy. But for them, they're not crazy. Yeah. Their perspective is completely different. And that's basically when the gospel grabs us. And that's what happened. 
And that's exactly what happened when the gospel take off the scale in your eyes. You will understand the Bible differently. You read the Bible again and again, and somehow that when you read the Bible the same first, there's something that is come to your heart personally, then it's, everything has become alive. And you understand the God that we worship, the God that we worship is the holy God. Yes, you know before, but right now it's become very real for you. And because you know that God is holy God, our God needs to punish every sin. And you suddenly realize how sinful you are. And we are just basically, the death as the punishment of sin becomes very real for you. You realize that nothing we can do. We are hopeless. But God sent Jesus as our perfect sacrifice. He died on the cross to pay all our sins. And he rose three days later, established his victory and the beautiful promise for all of us who believe in him that we will have eternal life. And that's the gospel interactions. That's how we become the believers. But that gospel interactions doesn't stop in there. It's not one of things. The power of the gospel doesn't stop there. It continues to sanctify us until right now, until the end of our life. We are molded to, the, to be image of Jesus Christ. This process changes our soul. This process changes our mind, changes our desire. Somehow that you want something that you never wanted before. Somehow that you want to read the Bible. Sometimes that you, somehow that you want just come to church. And somehow that you, suddenly you had something that you loved so much before. And therefore, church, if we want to grow as Christians, there's no other way than to abide in the gospel. I mean, the, we may not see the result instantly. You may think that nothing changes in us because the changes in the gospel is more than the behavior modification, more than behavior changes, but the changes is start inside us. And the pericope is end with Jesus explaining the parable, not to all people, but only to the disciples in the first 33 and first 34. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them. As they were able to hear it, he didn't speak to them without the parable, but privately to his own disciple. He explained everything. Why only to the disciple? Why Jesus only explained only to the disciple? Because only disciple of Christ have the ear to hear. Are you disciple of Jesus Christ? And that's the question that we should ask ourselves. Am I the disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm not only talking for unbeliever, but I'm talking for some of you Christians that you feel empty and dry. When was the last time that you listened and opened your ear to the word of God? So I'm going to close with this one sentence, the summary of my sermons. So if I have to summarize my sermon into one sentence, Let's remember that the gospel is the most important news for us to take in and to take out. And let's, let's don't take the gospel lightly. Don't avoid the gospel. Come and listen with the open heart. Respond and repent. And let's share the good news boldly. 
for we have God who works powerfully through his gospel. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that, are, that I'm able to share your word. That I pray, Holy Spirit, that let the growth, that's the growth in the growth for every person in here that listen to the gospel. That the Holy Spirit work in their heart. The many times that we take the gospel lightly. Because yes, we if we compare to other things, maybe it's not really appealing to other people. But Holy Spirit remind us that the power that can the only power that can change us is only the power of the gospel. Or maybe we as a parent, we're tired that always talk about the gospel to our kids. Maybe we try other alternative methods or anything. But I hope rebuke us, Lord. Refresh how we get safe in at the first place. That we was a sinner, but you open our heart. And then forgive us if some of us is right now sitting in here. It's like we are call ourselves the disciple of Christ, but we are just selfish. We just keep it the gospel to ourselves. We call ourselves the disciple of Christ, but we ashamed to share the gospel. Forgive us, Lord. The many times that we call our ourselves disciple of Christ, but we are basically we are just spiritually a dead sea. So your power of the gospel, Lord, it doesn't stop when we become the believer, and it's still working right now. It sanctify us every single day, and we're grateful for that. And thank you for the cross. Thank you that you come to this world to pursue every one of us and call, call us your disciple, call us your children. So I'll finish sharing my word. The Holy Spirit keep working in everyone's hearts in this place and at home as well that this gospel really captivated their heart so it's not become just like the information but become the best news that they ever received that changed their life jesus thank you jesus in the name of jesus we pray amen